All right, Kelly, thank you very much. That would be Kelly Robinson, to be more precise about things. Good morning, everybody. It's a great morning. Kind of hot and humid where I am in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I suspect if it's hot and humid there, it's really hot and humid along the coast and elsewhere. But for some of us, a cold front's expected on Monday or Sunday night or sometime or other. Kind of odd for late July, but uh, you know what? not going to complain. I hope you're having a good late July or mid to late July, and I hope I can help you with the plants at your place. Jared Taylor is standing by waiting for your calls, and all the lines are open right now. We have almost an hour to talk about the plants at your place, the toll-free number, as we are live on this Saturday, 888-256-1080, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. I broadcast live from the Amarillo area all the way to the Corpus Christi area. That's... Not terribly difficult this time of year. And from Alpine to Crockett, that's not terribly difficult this time of year. Gets a lot more challenging in the middle of the winter. (laughs) It's a lot more challenging. And a lot more challenging in March when it still is uh, snowing in Amarillo and hasn't snowed in years, some years, in uh, Corpus Christi and Victoria, two of our stations. Anyway, you you get the picture. I love doing this program, and I hope you'll pick up the phone and, and give me a call. Let me have a chance to help you with the questions you might have about your landscape and garden. Uh, this is the time for most of Texas, the second half of July, to plant peppers, bell peppers, um, ornamental peppers if you want, any of the... Um, any of the jalapenos, anything for your fall garden. Uh, you're a couple weeks away from a big planting time for things like beans and squash, cucumbers, corn. Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the fall vegetables go in about the first of August, and uh, but right now it's it's peppers. A little bit late for tomatoes. A couple of three weeks late for tomatoes and pumpkins. If you're in South Texas, those those couple of stations I mentioned, or along the coast somewhere, you could still plant tomatoes and and um, the small types of pumpkins. Although you're working against Halloween for pumpkins, it's not the first frost as much as it is Halloween, and a bunch of kids out there looking at the pumpkins. Uh, wishing they would hurry up and ripen. So that's a bigger issue than the first frost. So, uh, But at least with the tomatoes. Um, what else we need to talk about? If you have St. Augustine and you're seeing yellowing in the St. Augustine, that may very well be gray leaf spot. It causes uh, areas of the St. Augustine to turn yellow. And uh, then the uh, grass at that point uh, uh, kind of ceases growing. And if you look more closely, you're very likely to see um, uh, uh, diamond-shaped spots on the leaves. They're, they're gray-brown, and they're about the size of BBs or a little bit smaller, and they'll be freckled all over the leaves, and the leaves will begin to shrivel and, and contort. And if you're seeing that, then that's indication that, indeed, you do have the gray leaf spot fungus. And a couple of things you need to know. That is uh, exacerbated very greatly by fertilizer. Don't put any nitrogen on your lawn. A lot of times we fertilize our lawn when we see the yellowing, and and lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, the lawn looks worse. And uh, that's because we put nitrogen on during hot weather. That's why I suggest that you not fertilize St. Augustine from about the middle of June on until the 1st of September. And uh, you can use a couple of different fungicides, one or the other. Um, Azoxystrobin, I know, I know it's a terrable name. Azoxystrobin uh, has uh, has been labeled for use on gray leaf spot, on the various leaf spots on turf grass. That is uh, the, uh, the, the 
uh, the uh, uh, fungicide that is in uh, the uh, Scott's product. I think they may be the only consumer level product uh, that has azoxystrobin and it's labeled as Disease X, EX, Disease X by Scott's. Uh, when there's another one, I'll list both names. I don't give specific brand recommendations. Uh, they are not a sponsor. Uh, I just don't want you to go out and try to remember azoxystrobin. I don't want to hear you try to pronounce that from one hearing here on the air. Um, and then the other one is the, the old standby daconil. Uh, those are both labeled for leaf spots uh, on, uh, on, on turf grass. So that will help, but especially cut back uh, to zero any nitrogen you put on during the hot weather. Uh, chinch bugs are also going to be a problem in St. Augustine now that it is turning very hot. They will always be in the sunniest part of your yard. They'll never be back in the shade. Great leaf spot will be, but, but uh, the uh, uh, chinch bugs will show up in the hot, sunny part of your lawn, often where they were last year and the year before that and the year before that. You can kind of anticipate that they'll come back. Even if you got rid of them last year, you can expect that they will show up in those same spots. Um, the lawn will look like it's dry. You'll water it, and it will not respond positively because it's being impacted by chinch bugs. Get down on your hands and knees or have somebody who is agile do that for you and part the grass, kind of like you were looking for fleas in the hair of a dog. And if you see BB-sized black insects with irregular white diamonds on their wings, just one diamond per, per insect, uh, moving around freely uh, among the runners of the St. Augustine. Those are the chinch bugs, and they'll be right at the interface of the dying grass, not in the brown grass, but in the, in the declining grass. And if you see those, then you need to use a, an insecticide that is labeled for chinch bugs. A good hardware store, a good nursery, independent retail garden center, um, or, a, hard, or a, a farm supply store can help you. Actually, the big national chain stores will have things labeled for uh, chinch bugs, too. I, I really would like to have you go to local businesses and deal with local people, but, you know, in this case, chinch bugs are pretty much uh, uh, on a lot of product names, uh, product labels. All right, that's enough to get us started. My, um, and this is an inner office memo to Jared. Call screen page is still not working on my computer. I still get the same message, so... Something about that didn't uh, didn't translate on the email, so uh, I will need to have you text the names to me if you don't mind, and uh, I'll do my first break, and we'll get the program underway. Let me give you the phone number again. I have four lines, and I would love to have Jared say, hey, Neil, all the lines are filled. I don't know. Can't see. Don't. Half of them are filled. I, he's whispering in my ear, so we have two lines open, 888-256-1080. Call right now, won't you please? 888-256-1080. Let's talk gardening. Niels Ferry's Lone Star Gardening is now in its fifth printing. This is my book. This is my baby. It's your go-to gardening reference. I, I self-published this book for a lot of different reasons. Number one, I wanted to keep the price as low as I could. And by self-publishing, I took out a lot of middle people, took out the distributors, took out the local, uh, the uh, bookstores and Amazon. It's not in bookstores, not in Amazon. Um, I sell it directly from me to your mailbox. Simple as that. I, I can sign the books this way. I can sign them when they sell. And that was fun. But the most important thing to me was that I got to pick my own editor and graphic designer so that I could have the book I wanted, always wanted. It's my fifth book, first time I've published. I'll never go back the other way. 
And uh, this is a book with 344 pages, 840 of my own photographs. I didn't intend to have that many, but I just kept adding. And um, uh, when Cindy Smith said, Neil, are you aware you have 840 photos? I said, I had no idea. But uh, there's a lot of information in the 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, things you have to know to get started and be successful. I'm going to skip Chapter 2. Chapter 3 and then all the way to Chapter 11 are comprehensive chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. I worked more than a month on every one of those chapters. Chapter 2 has never been in a book that I have done before. It is a 48-page calendar, four pages per month, that tell you everything that needs to be done in that month, what needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and sprayed in that month. And people tell me, Neil, that chapter alone has saved me enough money to cover the cost of the book several times over. So, the book is not in stores, it's not on Amazon, I sign every copy as it sells, told you that. Your satisfaction is guaranteed or I will refund every penny you spend. 67,000 copies have sold, I have not had one request for a refund. The book is only thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage. It is a hardback on high quality paper and printed in Texas. Printing companies wouldn't have done much of any of that. It would have been a paperback and printed overseas. But this one is printed in Texas so that Texas printers could stay employed. You order it from neilsperry.com or you call my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. And that phone number is 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. The website is the better way to order it. If you order it there, I'll be signing it tomorrow night for you. And that is neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L. S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. Why should you pay every month for a temporary storage facility when you can own a genuine Mueller building? Mueller's backyard buildings are easy to assemble. They're affordable and they offer a permanent storage solution right in your own backyard. With a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose, their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape. And if your equipment requires even more storage space, Mueller's standard series buildings are ready to go to work for you. They are fabulous. From workshops to big barns, these pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. You can also visit them online at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, to get a free customized building estimate. And while you're there, click on their color selector tool to make choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision for you. To find out more about Mueller steel buildings and metal roofing, call 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them at MuellerInc.com. Mueller steel buildings for permanent storage. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much, and I am trying to do this technologically, and we are just going to have to use text messaging. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> Let's try this. Let's go to Diane from Chapel Hill. Our first call of today. Lines are all filled. As you hear me, empty one. If you would, uh, if you would give me a call in toll free line, that will be your way to get in. As I empty a line, you call that line. 888-256-1080. Diane, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm well, thank you. How can I help? Oh, my husband, we have some St. Augustine in the backyard. Of course, we have trees in our backyard as well. And uh, he has fertilized it, and we just can't seem to get the St. Augustine to turn to green. It's kind of a yellowish, you know, green. Did you hear what uh, what I was talking about as I went on the air today? Yeah, that's what I heard you were saying. No fertilizer from May to September. Don't no, from mid, mid-June to the 1st of September. Correct. Right. And then you would use a uh, an all nitrogen fertilizer at that point, but you need to look to make sure that what you're you're is causing the yellowing may be the gray leaf spot. You need to look at that very closely. And can you say what what you described that earlier? What to look for? Yes, uh, you look for uh, the the yellowing that we talked about. You're talking about, and then look at the blades. For spots that are about the size of a BB, they will be diamond-shaped, and they will be gray with brown in them also. Okay. And uh, they'll be sprinkled all over the leaves and some of them on the runners as well. Okay. And if you find that, then you need to use uh, either Daconil or the uh, the product I mentioned. I won't go through the technical name, but I'll just tell you that it's the Scott's Disease X, E-X. It's the only product okay. that has azoxystrobin in it. Okay, well, we'll take a look at that and see if that works. I appreciate it. All right, atta girl. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Let's see. Next call up is Joan from Bryan. Joan, this is Neil. Good morning. Hey, Neil. Listen, can I be a wishy-washy girl this morning? I asked, I've told him the wrong question. Can I change my question, please? You bet, because nobody else other than you and Jared and now Neil, because I'm writing it down, know what you wanted to ask. So go ahead and change. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I called about a yopon, how to kill a yopon, but what I want to ask is this. A couple of weeks ago or a month ago, I called you and asked how to get rid of the nutsedge in my liriope, and you told me to go to look it up image. I did, and I used it, and it did work in my liriope. And on that, it said that it would also kill uh, bahia grass. And we have this grass growing in our St. Augustine that I thought was bahia and I put it on it, and it didn't kill it. So I started looking up grasses, and I think that that is Dallas grass. And when I started looking around the lawn to put that on uh, for to kill the what I thought was bahia, I started looking at my St. Augustine, and there's an area in my yard that has been overtaken with some other grass that blends in so well with the St. Augustine that I didn't really notice it until I got down looking at it. The leaves are skinnier. Um, it's, it's got uh, vines or whatever, like St. Augustine. Is that bahia grass? And if so, what should I do? Should I just leave it because it's nice and thick and green, but it's not St. Augustine? Right. Um, you are... Yeah, bahia grass was introduced as a pasture grass. Uh-huh. And if you look up bahia grass online, you are going to find about a 50-50 mix of matches. Half of them are going to tell you how to cultivate it as a pasture grass for forage. And those are from the agronomists. And half are going to be either 
uh, giving some level of how to control it, which will be frustrating, or there'll be blogs from people who are cursing it, <laughs> wishing it had never been introduced. It is a weedy grass, and you don't want to have it in St. Augustine. I don't know that you have Bahia grass, because St. Augustine normally, if it's at least partially vigorous, will crowd out Bahia grass, or should. Uh, it is a much uh, woodier-looking grass than St. Augustine, generally. Uh, it's, oh, you it's, mean the vines are woodier? They're bigger? Well, the, the runners, the stolons, yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so you you ought to be able to find several photos of Bahia grass online. I would I would Google uh, photo um, yeah Bahia grass and and just look at uh, twenty five photos and and at least three or four of them will show the runners, and and you'll be able to compare that with what you have. Uh, I, 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 I would I would put I would put photo Bahia grass. Uh, yeah. weed in turf i would i would get it into the turf side and, and not into into you don't want to see a field of it i, I think this is probably not bahia then because the runners are not thicker than the saint augustine i don't mean thicker i mean woodier no they're not woodier either all right I, I, identifying grasses on a phone call is next yeah. to impossible. Right. I thought I thought your your uh, getting rid of yopon sprouts was going to be a difficult question. Then I'm now uh, now completely bald. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've got a, a yopon that we cut down. What 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 I would yeah, but not, let's not leave this one. What I would suggest right. you do if you don't have much Saint Augustine in that area is I would use a glyphosate spray, just straight glyphosate, no other weed killer mixed in with it. That's like the original Roundup or cleanup with no other herbicide mixed in with it. I would spray that area with a pump sprayer so you can be very precise in where you apply it. And if there's a little St. Augustine in there, it's going to kill that too. But use a tank sprayer, a pump sprayer, where you can be very precise and just it, within two weeks, it's going to kill all of this weed grass. And you can go right back in and plant St. Augustine then in that area, and you'll have this out of the way. Now, do you know what Dallas grass looks like? Um, I think so. It's kind of flat. In yeah, the yeah. Let's not try bottom. to let's not try to describe grasses on a yeah. phone call. Uh, yeah. I, I will do that, uh, but only in in very brief passing. Dallas grass is extremely dark green. It does not have visible runners generally and it will make a clump the size of a dinner plate. Yep. Uh, the, the distinguishing factor with Dallas grass is that it, its, its seed heads emerge within two or three days of when you mow your lawn, and oh, they, always, they always will have flattened seeds with little black specks on them. And yep. it's very identifiable by its seed heads. If you have Dallas grass, then the only control is to use the glyphosate as a spot treatment or hand dig it. There's no other way. In St. Augustine, or in any grass now, we don't have MSMA anymore in Bermuda. Yeah. So, okay. What what I would do? You're calling from Brian, is that right? Correct. I would go into. I would take this weed into producers, and I would have them identify the the grass. Take a take a big sample with you. I mean, not bushels, but take right. a, a really good uh, sample of the plant, and ask them to identify it for you and show you the best control. That's going to be your best bet. Perfect. I should have thought of that. that. Yeah. Okay. Then they I can do it. Ask about Yopon. Anyway, yeah. thank you so much. I'm glad you called. Good luck with it. Thank you. All right. Now, let's see where we are. I need to tell you right now about 
uh, Neil Spray's eGardens, my free electronic newsletter. And, uh, in fact, if you take eGardens, you have seen Gray Leaf Spot uh, in it in the last couple of weeks. I've, I've had a couple of stories on it where I've tried to show it to you and, and give you close-ups of what the leaves, the blades look like on St. Augustine and all the information I just gave a few moments ago. So uh, you need to subscribe to eGardens. It is my free electronic newsletter that comes from my computer to your email every Thursday at 6 p.m., just a little after 6 p.m., uh, there always are five stories. There's a featured plant of the week. There is always a um, there is always a featured question of the week, and there always is gardening this weekend, where I point out things that you need to do in your landscape and garden. I think we're probably going to have an update on oaks across Texas and what needs to be done with them uh, in this next week's uh, e gardens. I think. Uh, Probably I want to come back to that topic. That's eGardens. You can see what it looks like by going to the page on my website where you sign up for it. That's at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. That's also the only place you can buy my book that I mentioned earlier. That's at neilsperry.com. Click on the eGardens tab. Scroll down. You'll see where you sign up for it. You have to do that. We can't do it for you. But remember, it's free and always will be. I will never spam you, and I don't give or sell your email address to anybody. We have about 75,000 people who get eGardens each week. Love to have you on that list as well. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. That's where you see the sample of the previous issue, the one that just went out about 36 hours ago. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on eGardens. I'll have more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, indeed, we have a couple of lines that we've opened, and they are open. Open for business, 888-256-1080. Why don't you call right now, 888-256-1080. We go to uh, Robert in Floresville. Robert, this is Neil. Good morning. Hello, Robert. Guess what, folks? We have three lines open. <laughs> I think Robert has given out on us. Let's go to line four. That would be Cindy and Cameron. Folks, do call right now. I, it has become more of a desperate issue than I thought. 888-256-1080. Cindy, this is Neil. Good uh, Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Great. Uh, I uh, planted some uh, cherry tomatoes in the spring, and um, I, I'm a terrible tomato grower. But they, these have done really well for me. And so I um, saw where you had said to cut them back, cut your tomatoes back. And, but I don't know. They're very large, and I don't know how far back to, to uh, cut them. Um, you're talking about just to prune them to get them to start over again, or are you talking about for, for cuttings? Maybe I missed something. No, uh, for, to get them to start over, uh, to start producing again. All right. Normally, I don't recommend that. I think I might give you a, a, a buy this year because it's been relatively uh, uh, mild for the summer so far in much of Texas. Um, I guess you could prune them. The cherries tend to get really tall and really lanky. I guess you could prune them back by... Uh, by a third, maybe. I don't know. Without seeing your plants, I can't really tell. It also would uh, depend on whether spider mites and, and early blight uh, did any damage to them. Normally, what we recommend is get all you can off the plants 
in the spring crop and somewhere elsewhere in your garden in another really good location have a fall crop coming along that you plant about the 1st of July because those will be much more productive than the old tired uh, spring plants will that have tried to struggle through the heat. Um, it, it, it's just so much more. If, you, if you've ever tried that once with, with a fresh new transplant, either that you've grown yourself uh, from starting them in, in mid-June or that you've bought it at a nursery, uh, that, that you plant around the 4th of July, the 1st of July, you won't believe how productive those are as they grow and mature their fruit in September, October, November, early November, uh, in the better weather conditions. They, they are just fabulous tomatoes. But like I said, okay. with if, if the weather will continue to be a little bit uh, cooler than normal, um, you know, it's all relative. It's no, somebody from... Uh, Iowa is not going to say that this is the least bit cool, but if if maybe this year they will, but uh, I, I'd cut them back by a third or so once once they're through producing. Cherries tend to produce all the way through the summer, though, so you have to decide if you want to do that or not. Okay, um, so if I do, if I go ahead and, and get, uh, pull them, um, if I, you say, is it too late to plant them now if I can find them? Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know when the first freeze will come. It is usually best to do it by the 1st of July. But when I figure July 1st, I'm figuring that it's going to take X number of weeks for or days, however you want to do it. Uh, we'll say 80 days plus another uh, 40 or 50 days for the plant to produce well. Um, and then you have to allow a little bit of Yikes! What happens if we have a really early freeze, and and so you 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 end up being around the first of July, except in deep South Texas, the Victoria and, and Corpus Christi listeners that I have, and and they could go a little bit later, but that's you know you you take that chance. There are a lot of years that in in Cameron, you would be fine planting uh, now if you can find them if they're good vigorous transplants. That's okay. the thing. The, the The problem that you have working against you this year, Cindy, is that the nurseries were just overwhelmed by customers trying to replant all their nursery, all their landscape plants after the cold, and growers lost so much stuff in their in their wholesale nurseries and in their greenhouses in the cold that nobody spent much time thinking about fall tomatoes. You know, that's okay. that's like asking. Uh, uh, asking somebody to, oh, by the way, do you mind growing these little bitty plants over here for me <laughs> while they're trying to save their lives economically? And right. uh, so that's that's why I didn't make a big issue of, of fall tomatoes this year. Okay, so if I can find them. Yeah, go um, ahead and try them uh, and, and make some provision to protect them if a first freeze comes in, in your area. Uh, in mid-October or late October, uh, not mid-October, in late October, early November. Okay, we had so our first, said, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Our normal freeze date for us is November 20th or so. We had our first freeze a year ago in on, on October 26th. I mean, that's almost a month early. And uh, and that that just, that's why you have to figure and, and allow for all this. Okay. So. Thank you. And you said to plant it in a different area than I have the ones now, right? Well, just because you can't plant them right on top of the ones, you got to have a second place. 
Okay. Don't okay. pull don't 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 pull out the ones you have because they're still producing. Say, okay, I'm gonna leave you and you keep producing as long as you can. I'm going over there with these new ones and I'm gonna get them started. And and you have you have both of them coming along at the same time. It's it's just because you have some that are producing may not be producing as well as they were, but they're still there. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you so much. That that was the most disjointed answer I've ever given, but uh, <laughs> or, or I've given a lot of answers. That that's in the in the running for it anyway. I hope I helped. <laughs> you did. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate so the call. Thank you so much. All right. Let's see where we are. I need to get a break in, and then uh, we'll come back and go to. Uh, Linda from Brenham with a canna question. Lines are filled. That's good. Thank you. Well, her line is open now. Let me tell you about uh, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. That is my book. I explain all of that in the book, and I explain it one, two, three, four in a way that will make sense. It will make sense. Trust me. It will make sense. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening now in its fifth printing. I hope that you'll consider getting this. I'll, I'll, I'll buy it back from me. Even if I have signed the book, I'll buy it back from you. No problem if you're unhappy with the book in any way. Now, chapter 2 is that 48-page calendar of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden. It will tell you the month when you need to worry about um, pruning blackberries or watch out for gray leaf spot or when you need to treat for grub worms. People are all over the map on when they ought to treat for grub worms. It's all in the book in that 48-page calendar, Chapter 2. And uh, it has 11 chapters that cover all topics of outdoor gardening for all parts of Texas. Incredibly detailed chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. I hope you'll get the book and give it a try. 840 photographs, 344 pages, printed in Texas on high-quality paper. It is a hardback book. It's not in stores and not on Amazon. You buy it from my website or you call my office. 67,000 copies sold and not one request for a refund yet. I sign every copy as it sells, and I'll be signing tomorrow night and Monday. We'll get them in the mail right away. It's only thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage. That's the cost of one bad decision. <laughs> That's all it is. And uh, this will be a good decision that will pay for itself. Here are the two ways you can order it. The better way is at neilsperry.com, but you can also call my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. That's 800 800- 752-GROW, 800-752-4769, but order from the website, and I'll be signing tomorrow night from the website, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. I'll have more after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Let's go right back to the phones. We have four calls to get in, need to move kind of quickly. And let's go to Linda in Brenham. Linda, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you. How can I help? I have cana lilies, a pink pink ones especially, and something is just tearing up the leaves. They're, uh, the leaves will come out, and then the next thing I know, they're, Round circles are cut out of them, or else there's just they're just like they're torn, like they're so, shredded. Yeah, those are uh, canna leaf rollers, and there are actually two different species of leaf rollers that uh-huh. we get on cannas. Um, okay, you need to use a systemic insecticide, and uh, there are 
uh, several of them on the market. But I would suggest you Google Canna Leaf Roller, and you'll find okay. some you'll find some really good information on them. Um, okay. You need to start uh, you need to start the application um, uh, probably in mid May to get the the systemic insecticide into the plants before the leaf rollers start to uh, start to feed. It's a uh, a moth that lays her eggs and then the eggs develop. The ones that look, the holes that you see look like a machine gun has strafed the leaves. <laughs> um, yes, sir. They, that happens while the leaves are still rolled up and, uh, they, they, it's like a drill has gone through that roll of leaves. And, yes. uh, and I, I understand. And the one that shreds is a different species of, of a leaf roller, and, and both of them can be controlled with the systemic insecticide. Imidacloprid is the, the, the common systemic insecticide. It's, it's the okay. most common insecticide in the market. You'll find it in a lot of different products. It's I-M-I-D-A-C-L-O-P-R-I-D. Sorry to do okay. that to you. That's just, but it's in, it's That's on, okay. it's on every shelf in hardware stores and nurseries, feed stores everywhere. So I can find it without problem, and it, no it problem. Apply it in May. Yeah, May, but you could still get some effect now, and you might even you might even get some effect by spraying. But the the best way is to is to treat uh, earlier in the in the season. I thank you very much. You You're have a welcome. Great day. Thank you so much. All right, let's see. Let me see where my time is. Let me get my last break out of the way, and I'll I'll feel better about my life that way, and then we'll we'll move through the calls. I'll do a really quick version on my website. My website is where you can buy my book. It's neilsperry.com. I'll spell it for you in a moment. It's where you buy my book, the only place you can buy my book other than calling my office. Uh, it's also where you find 1,001 frequently asked questions and my answers to them. And it's also where you sign up for eGardens, my free electronic newsletter. That is at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Homegrown goodness, that's what Mueller is all about. They've been producing quality steel buildings and metal roofing right here in Texas for 90 years. Now you can grow a Mueller greenhouse right in your own backyard. Their easy-to-assemble, bolt-together greenhouses come in five sizes, from 6x9 to 12x21, and they feature a galvanized steel frame with more than 30 designer trim colors from which to choose. With hail-resistant polycarbonate panels, lockable walk doors and windows, a Mueller greenhouse will let the sun shine in while it protects your plants year-round. Don't let the weather ruin what you've worked so hard to produce. Get a great greenhouse from a Texas-grown company. Visit them online at MuellerInc.com or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. That's 877-268-3553. Mueller Greenhouses. You're going to love it. MuellerInc.com. More after this message. Thank you, Kelly, very, very much. And let's go back to the phones. We'll go to Robert in Pampa. Robert, this is Neil. Good morning. Neil, thank you for taking my call. First yes, off, I bought your book. It's great. I recommend it. And uh, anyway, thank you. Uh, it's a, it's well, very well done. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've got a couple of ornamental pear trees that are I planted five years ago. And even after the hard freeze, they, they came out fine you know, with the leaves and everything, but uh, the leaves started turning yellow. And so uh, I decided to apply iron 
uh, around the you know the base of them, just you know per instructions on the bottle that I got at the hardware store. And uh, uh, but the leaves have started to wilt and you know just dry up, and okay. uh, it's starting at the top and going down. How how old are these trees? They're probably about five years old. Let me tell you what happened to to my Bradford pears. I had three. This is thirty years ago. And that's what these are, is Bradford. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. No, that's okay. There are a lot of different ornamental yeah. pears. Um, if you can picture that, it's kind of a mind picture here. A handful of tuning forks, and you squeeze them so tightly by the handles of the tuning forks that they just they the heat of the squeeze melts the the trunk together. So you have one trunk, and all these vertical things coming up that are the the branches of the Bradford pear or the tuning forks. That's the way a Bradford pear grows. All those things going straight up that are the branches. Well, in other words, very narrow branch angles. And in in the case of my trees, uh, the one that was closest to our house had more water and it grew faster and developed this problem faster. Mine turned yellow in the center of the tree first. And I did the same thing you described. I put iron in the, around it on the ground and, and sprayed the tree, and it helped a little, not much. And then the next year it was more yellow, and some of the other branches in the center became yellowed. And then the third year it split right down the trunk, and I realized that the narrow branch, this is before we, we were all alerted to this fact nationally, that Bradford pears had these narrow branch angles and that it was just a matter of when they would split, not if they would split. Um, the, the, the branch angle is so narrow that they, the bark gets pinched in between the branches and moisture and debris and, and everything gets pinched in there instead of wood getting the, the, the wood of the tree getting built into okay. it to make a strong branch angle. And so eventually they split in a windstorm or an ice storm or just from the weight of the branch. And so I took my other two out because I didn't want them falling. And, and luckily nothing was damaged. But I've seen cars get get smacked down and other things when Bradford pears have split. Now, you need to look at your tree and see if that might be happening because uh, if not now, it will eventually, unfortunately. Bradford pears are beautiful trees, and the fall color is outstanding. Spring color is beautiful, and they're pretty in the summer. But that's a real problem. And uh, they they do need iron uh, in, in extremely alkaline soil, but usually, it's been my experience, the yellowing is more the branch angles than it is from just pure lack of iron. Okay. Okay, I'll take a look at that. Yeah. And if... if- and after I look at that, I might have to call you back. <laughs> well, I don't mind that. I wish my Facebook page was working. It, it They changed their format about six or eight weeks ago, and it's just all messed up, and they never have made it possible to go back and post questions on it. So I'm trying to figure okay. a way around that. I have yet my eighth expert now working on it, so maybe maybe something will happen. But, but anyway, that that uh, that's, that's a good starting point. More than likely point, the anyway. case, you think, is it's not something that's uh, diseased or... I, no, I don't think it's a disease. Cotton root rot is the disease that gets after Bradford pears. I have a nurseryman asking me questions about that on a client's uh, tree, and and so that's uh, always a possibility. But um, uh, so there's really I, nothing that can be done as far as I don't you know. know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I would I would ask okay. if that. Yeah, I'd yeah. Take a look at it and see if that's a possibility, and and let's go from there. 
Okay, that would be, that'd be my best yeah, suggestion. Right. To Gene and Amarillo, iron uh, from nails will not correct iron deficiency. It's an insoluble form of iron. It is ferric iron. That doesn't work. Iron filings don't work either. And Jeff and Bowie, I can't get to you, so I'm sorry I tried. Folks, thank you for listening very, very much. I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll be back live next week. Jared Taylor as well. Happy gardening.